America may be facing a kind of reckoning where a global power reaches its limits for various reasons, ecological, financial, social, political, and gets beaten back. It, of course, this happen, tends to happen throughout history. You know, no global power emerges and just remains on top forever. America may have to just come to terms with, with, uh, with limits to its own power. If you're tired of arguing with strangers on the internet, try talking with one of them in real life. Welcome to Back in America, the podcast. I'm Stan Bertolot, the host of Back in America, a podcast questioning America's identity, culture, and values. Richard Henberg is a senior fellow at the Post Carbon Institute and is regarded as one of the world's top advocates for a shift away from our current dependence on fossil fuel. He is the author of 13 books on climate and energy. Today, in this episode, I am releasing the complete interview I had with Richard on November 11. This interview was broadcasted live, and you can watch it on YouTube, where you will be searching for Back in America, the podcast. Here, Richard and I are talking about the election and what impact the new government might have on the environment. Richard asks, who is going to clean up the fracking mess left by the oil and gas companies that are now bankrupt? We wonder if Trump, in the time he's got left at the White House, can do more damages to the climate. And Richard warns that Biden will need to prepare Americans for the hard changes looming ahead. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm delighted to welcome Richard Henberg. Hi, Richard. Hello, Stan. Good to be with you. Would you mind introducing yourself? Uh, I'm senior fellow with uh, Post Carbon Institute, which is a small nonprofit think tank uh, located on the west coast of the U.S., and we deal with climate and energy issues primarily. So talking about climate, I think that uh, climate justice is definitely a focus of this uh, new administration. How does that make you feel? Certainly more hopeful <laughs> than has been the case during the last uh, four years. Uh, how much will actually be accomplished, is, of course, is uh, still to be seen and largely depends on the results of the two Uh, senatorial races that are uh, still yet to be decided with runoffs in uh, December in Georgia. If the Democrats can take both of those seats uh, and gain control of the Senate, then there's the possibility for some you know, really significant uh, legislation, something like the Green New Deal. On the other hand, if the uh, Republicans remain in charge in the Senate, then uh, very little legislation that's meaningful is, is likely either on the climate front or on a whole range of other uh, issue sets. And what's likely in that case is that uh, President Biden will have to do whatever he can uh, through regulation um, in presidential executive uh, orders. 
Uh, and some things can can happen that way. I mean, clearly the uh, the parts of the executive branch that were responsible for uh, dealing with um, either measuring climate change or issuing uh, regulations, all of those have just been gutted during the Trump administration. The EPA, uh, National Ocean Atmospheric Administration, NOAA. I mean, all of all of these agencies have just been. Uh, kneecapped. So getting rid of the, the Trump political appointees and, and putting back in, you know, uh, sensible trained scientists uh, to head these, these agencies will help enormously. But that only gets us back to, you know, where we were uh, in 2016. Um, and of course, the climate crisis is, uh, is moving onward, <laughs> whether we move or not. So uh, we're going to have to do a lot better than that. Talking of which, what policies do you think that the, the Biden-Harris team should enact in their 101st days? Well, uh, for, from a climate perspective, uh, getting rid of fossil fuel subsidies to the extent that that's possible uh, without the cooperation of the, the Senate. And putting back in, of course, rejoining the, the Paris Climate Accords, that's, that's a given, and, and Biden has said he's, he's going to do that. Uh, put, putting back in place the fuel economy standards that uh, Obama, Obama had set forth and that Trump uh, removed, regulations for, for coal plants, uh, nitrogen oxide emissions and, and methane emissions. The, me the methane emissions are really important because uh, the Obama administration had begun uh, putting, putting some meaningful regulation on methane emissions. And of course, methane is a very power powerful greenhouse gas and the fossil fuel industry, particularly uh, natural gas industries responsible for a, a very important, noticeable uh, amount of uh, methane emissions. So Uh, doing something about that would would make a difference, certainly. Right, right. Well, you know, I was speaking with um, uh, Mark Charles, uh, an independent candidate uh, during the, the past election, and he was telling me that Biden and Harris are really just going to preserve the status quo. So, you know, it, it's hard to imagine how they can actually transition to a post-carbon Um, civilization. I know this is your forte and really what you, what you are fighting for. Do you truly believe that this country is going to move away from fossil fuel? Well, it, it, <laughs> it will one way or another, just because fossil fuels are finite depleting resources. And we're already seeing the, you know, the fracking industry is just in a financial mess. Uh, companies are going bankrupt because it's, it, they need a, a much higher price for oil than currently exists if, if they're going to make a profit. And what they've been doing over the past decade as they've been you know, rapidly increasing production is they've been depleting the best, highest quality resources first. So what's left for the frackers is really just you know, the crumbs on the table Um, and we've, we've, at our organization, we've done some, uh, some original research and analysis on this. Uh, you can find on our, our website, postcarbon.org. Um, and the research is, is really clear. You know, the, the whole tight oil 
boom that increased uh, U.S. oil production so dramatically over the last decade was really a one-off, short-term uh, kind of thing, and we're we're reaching the end of that that boom, one way or another. You know, regardless what oil prices do or whatever. But with low oil prices, I mean, it's it's absolutely clear that the industry can't continue. So we're going to transition away from fossil fuels one way or another. The question is, are we going to do it in, in some way that gives us a different path forward? Are we going to have a, a managed transition or just, you know, a kind of energy-led collapse of the financial system and the, and the support system that enables a modern industrial economy to operate? So going back to this uh, election, do you have any hope that Biden and Harris are the right person at the right time to help us transition? The right people at the right time. It depends on on what factors you're you're focusing on. I mean, in an ideal world, we would have uh, you know sort of radical left populists like Bernie Sanders who would be able to push through really uh, imaginative, bold climate policies. But you have to take into account the moment we're in politically, the country is fractured and fragmented. Uh, a, a lot of people voted for Donald Trump and really believe that, you know, his his policies were were just fine. And that's that's a huge problem. So um, Biden and Harris believe, and there, I think there's a good argument to be made that what we have to do first is just heal the country politically and get back to some some kind of status quo where where progress is even possible. You know, it, if we have a divided Congress, uh, it's, you know, what can be accomplished with just proposals that, that can't get through? I, some kind of realistic, pragmatic approach uh, might be actually the, the best we can hope for at this moment. Now, is the best we can hope for enough? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's another question. And that's what that's what we'll find out. And it may not be. So Trump is obviously still in power until uh, January. What damages can he still do to the environment? Well, he can do, uh, you know, the, the, the amount of time left for damage to the environment is, is fairly limited. I mean, most of the damage to the environment is done through longer term processes and policies. And he's, he's done most of what he can do, I think, during this time. I mean, he's already gutted the, as, as we talked about earlier, gutted the regulatory uh, administrations and so on. So there's there's not that much more he can do in that regard. But in a, on his way out the door, he, he can do a, a great deal, actually, to continue to undermine the, uh, the, the trust and cooperation that are necessary for a political system, a democracy to function. He's already doing that by contesting the uh, legitimacy of the election. And doing that, of course, works to his practical advantage. 
he uh, fires up his base and he's going to need that base to continue to exist so they can you know donate to his his next campaign which he's he's already started a political action committee and he wants to be able to use those funds to loot those funds for his own personal use in various ways to pay off his debts his enormous debts coming due he's going to be you know trying to stay out of prison and out of court as much as possible for the next uh, couple of years. He has a lot of problems to deal with. And if he has, you know, millions of Americans who are, uh, who believe that he's the rightful president of the United States and by golly, he, he, he deserves, you know, his, his place in the sun again. Well, that, again, that, that serves a practical advantage for him, but what it does to the country, of course, is just horrific. It, uh, it, it calls into question the, le- the legitimacy of the government. And, uh, you know, it's very difficult for, for a, uh, a country to, to operate, for a government to, to operate if its legitimacy is, is contested by a very, very sizable portion of the, of the population. And that's unfortunately where we're headed. What issues are you going to be monitoring now? Um, well, the uh, Biden has has said he doesn't want to ban fracking. Fine, okay. The fracking is is starting to go away anyway, and that that's a process that will continue. But you know, uh, who's going to clean up <laughs> uh, the, the environmental damage that's been caused by fracking? Because if all these companies go bankrupt. And we're talking about dozens and dozens of companies that have led the charge in terms of uh, tight oil and, and fracking, both for oil and natural gas. If all those companies go bankrupt, well, who's going to pay to decommission those wells? What's left of the oil industry has got to be you know, repurposed to clean up that environmental damage. At the same time, obviously, we need to transition not only to renewable energy, Uh, building an enormous amounts of infrastructure, both for energy production, also, uh, you know, that's electricity. The 80% of the energy we use is not in the form of electricity. It's liquid gaseous fuels for transportation, home heating, manufacturing, materials, extraction, and, and transformation all through the economy. That other 80% of energy usage needs to be dealt with. And we, we need a lot of uh, research and development in that regard. How do you make cement without carbon emissions? How do you, <laughs> how do, you do all these high heat industrial process? What, what do we do with aviation? Do we just let it go? Or is it possible to maintain some of the aviation industry using um, synthetic fuels made with hydrogen and captured carbon and so on? All of these things have to be sorted out. I mean, this is an this is the biggest industrial project looming ahead of us that humanity has ever faced, and it's not going to happen uh, as as quickly as it as it absolutely needs to unless we get the best minds in the world and in the country working on it and have some funds to <laughs> enable the project to to happen with. So if, the main thing is, are Biden and Harris going to take this sufficiently seriously? You know, for politicians, 
at best, right now, climate change is one of several issues. You know, we've got racial injustice, we've got climate change, we've got uh, pandemic, all these things, all these balls to, to juggle. And, you know, that's, that's inevitable. You can't just ignore any one of them. But we have to understand climate change is an existential threat. Mm-hmm. If we don't get this right, if we don't get the energy transition right, then all of these other problems are like, well. <laughs> sure. Yeah. If you don't have a planet cares? to live on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Without a, without a planet, ju- uh, you know, economic justice is not, uh, is not an issue. It's just not even an issue. So before we hang up, any positive note? Do you see any light at the end of the tunnel? Well, I mean, the fact that the election um, went to Biden and Harris and the fact that they they actually had a decisive victory. It, this hasn't really been uh, explained, I think, properly to the American people. I mean, when all the votes were counted, uh, Biden and Harris probably ended up getting will have probably ended up getting something like seven million more votes than than Trump. And that's that's a very substantial it's a, that's a mandate. And the same with the Electoral College. It's, it wasn't just a little squeaky victory. It was, it was you know, a good-sized conventional Electoral College win. So the, the American people need to get that. And the, and the Biden-Harris team need to, you know, assume the mantle of that, that victory and begin to take this set of issues that I've, we've been talking about uh, very seriously and And what I'll be looking for is, are they doing that? And then is is the media uh, helping to make this clear to the people? Because unless the American people really understand what we're up against, then there isn't going to be the support for the kinds of policies that will actually be necessary for us to make it through the rest of this century. Well, Richard, Richard Henberg, thank you so much for your time today. Well, thank uh, you, Stan. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. Have a good day. You too. I would like to wish you all a happy holidays and to thank you for your incredible support in 2020. A big shout out to my top fans, Céline, Messi, John, Caroline, Nadja, Nicola, Mark, Aurelia, Ben and Zoe. Our intern is Josh Wagner and he's busy editing the episode from the BBC series Enslaved. I hope to be publishing it before the end of the month. Make sure you listen to it, as we are working on a new non-linear format, mixing the interviews with incredible soundtrack. Bye for now, and have a great day.